Welcome to the show. It's Friday, cliffcentral.com. Thank you so much to Gareth and the team back again on Monday, 6 o'clock. It's the Konza Show. You're with me, Andrew Levy. Now, 2014 has been an incredible year of news, views, politicians, elections, the rise of a party, a deadly kiss, some fence sitters, a broken fence, a broken union, a judge stumped by a shooting star. Oh, that was beautiful. I'm sorry. I just love that. I can't. <laughs> that was very good. Thank you. Who wrote it for you? No, no. I'm, was it? <laughs> the justice I right there. I haven't even introduced you guys. You're already starting your rubbish. All right. I can't have grappled with a deadly virus while troops are pulled out to no, journalists. No, but I think that's enough, Andrew. Is it? Yeah, okay. No, yeah, I, mean, I think you said this. Oh, I just want to. There's a good part here. Okay, carry on. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, I can't have grappled with deadly viruses while troops are pulled out. And a journalist beheaded and hashtags were made for girls missing. Yet MH could not be found in, ser- in the search bar of the Indian Ocean. While Russians shot down planes and gave some good neighborly love. Funny men who had no laughed inside passed like a candle in the wind. While candles were pouring hot wax on a messy office uh. affair. Which set alight the fire in <laughs> the comrade's heart. And while the president was asked to pay back the money he spent in Woolworths and Kandla. Woolworths were caught in a messy fight by importing avocados from a land docked in a war yet again. About a land camouflaged uh, in religion. Po- point of order: It was pomegranates, pretzels, and <laughs> something else. It wasn't avocados. Cape Town racers decided to get to beat gardeners, domestic workers, petrol attendants, but not puppets. They were clearly not wearing Mandela's Ray-Bans. But one year later, and what have we really learned? Yes, 2014 has been a crazy year. I have some incredible guests in the studio today. They don't keep quiet, so I'll try shut them up when needs be. It is uh, the ever-present Justice Malala. He is probably <laughs> South Africa's best and only political commentator, and of course, uh, the you Rain have Man. A lot of pointed, pointed points of order. <laughs> yes, clearly. <laughs> the Rain Man, Chris Vick. We're speaking about. Uh, oh, Chris, sorry, I forgot to give you some kind of introduction. I'm a fucking spin doctor. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> He's the self-proclaimed spin doctor. If anything that uh, Chris says. Sounds a bit weird or dodgy. It probably is. So just keep that in mind. We obviously want to hear from you as well. Uh, give us a call 0861-555-189 or hook us up on Twitter at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y or cliffcentral.com. We're going to be posting a whole bunch of articles uh, that make sense and don't make sense uh, throughout the show. So do follow us on Twitter as well. Uh, guys, good morning to you. Uh, thank you so much for coming. I think let's start with some local news. I'm going to ask Justice to start, Chris, because to be honest, you've got really nice. Because na- he's black. I know. It's exactly. <laughs> exactly. We start with that card already. Uh, Justice, it's been a bit of a depressing 2014 in South African politics. What sticks out for you in terms of, of things that have made the news or things that are in your mind are big, uh, big points of order? Thanks, Andrew. Um, who wrote that stuff you were reading? I mean, that was amazing. I thought you, you, you wrote it. No, I'm, I'm flowery, but that, that was... <laughs> it was a bit of a poster, but I mean, oh. it really was like the world in one sentence. Because there were no, no pauses, no commas, no, no, Well, that's my problem. I don't believe no, in punctuation. No, so. I feel totally inadequate now. No, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. He, you've got everything. But can you start? I see on the TV above you, um, Barack Obama's there. So I, I, I want to start with... I want to start local, but I just think for me, um, the U.S., this time last year, Barack Obama, Nelson Mandela's died, Barack Obama's coming, we're all excited, oh, it's happy, happy, um, and Barack Obama comes here, gives a stonking great speech. Jeez, that was amazing, I was amazing. in the, the stadium, it was great. But you know, an Obama speech, it's amazing, it's fantastic, it's beautiful, and here we are, we end, we end the year with Obama in more wars than, than, you can count um, 
black men are being killed by white police officers in all over the U.S. Um, he's a lame duck president. And, um, and the promise of all that, you know, 2008, yes, we can, <laughs> seems to have dissipated. I, I, I feel for him and I, it's almost like, it's tragicomic. It's, it's, it was inevitable and mm. yet it's happened. It's, it's this big, big guy who, I mean, if he, if he popped up now and gave a speech, even Chris Vick would start crying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, the man is amazing. But, but I mean, look, I don't... of seems to have just turned into words and nothing, no action. What's he achieved? A bit of Obamacare? Um, but isn't that the problem with the American political system? I know. I mean, I watch House of Cards, so that's all I know. But I mean, truly, isn't it? Isn't it a state of he's got good intentions, but then cannot pass anything through any of the houses? Well, he can't now. Um, he is, you know, that the Republicans just totally destroyed the Democrats in the midterms. Um, I think the mistake he made was to hang around for too long. He should have. Come in in 2008 He had uh, the wind behind his back He should have just started implementing Whatever he wanted to implement then But he, you know, moped around And said, no, I'll do this, I'll do that um, And now it's too late He doesn't have the power He doesn't have the numbers And he can't, he can't seem to get it together At any level I think the disappointment really is that That idea of a post-racial America The idea that uh, the U.S. had, had well, that he also uh, perpetuated, that the U.S. had got over its problems and was building this new post-racial world is, <laughs> is up, in, up in Tata's. But, but, isn't, but, 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 I mean, it is interesting to draw analogies with South Africa. We also have a second-term president. We have a bit of a lame duck mm. situation. We have that post-apartheid uh, dream of a non-racial society, which is kind of unraveling fairly rapidly. Yeah. You know, I mean, at 20 years into democracy, I think we're seeing more incidents of racial tension than we've seen for a long, long time. And I, and I wonder about, uh, you know, just how we're going to get out of this situation. I think for Obama, it's clear he's going to go. I don't know if it's clear in our situation whether our president is going to go. And if so, who replaces him? And, and again, you don't want to draw too many comparisons with the U.S., but if you look at the potentials to succeed Obama, um, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, they're a pretty sad bunch. And it's the same here. I mean, when, when, whenever I'm involved in conversations around if President Zuma were to be, were to leave early or, or were to be kicked out of office, the next obvious question is who are you going to put in its place? That's, a, it's a hospital pass for whoever takes over. But, I mean, there's been, there's been a few rumors going around and, and it's conspiracy theories, so it's in your, in your realm, Chris, but the idea of... I probably, <laughs> I probably started well, I didn't know I was here with a conspiracy theory. <laughs> I've you know what his job was. There you go. But but there have been, <laughs> been some 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 theories that that uh, Zuma won't fulfil his full term, um, and the ANC will quietly remove him and bring on someone like I suppose Cyril's doing a lot of the work right now. He's the one uh, at all the Madiba memorials at the moment speaking. He's the you know the obvious candidate. But then there's also I think Glamini Zuma sitting in the wings. I'm waiting. I don't know if, what you think about that, Justice, if that's just all hearsay or if there, there might be some kind of truth to that for the ANC to win 2019. Um, uh, my view is that we, we have all of us underestimated President Zuma's ability um, to control, to parlay the ANC into what he'd like it to be. And his knowledge of the ANC and how it works, it's a numbers game for me. And President Zuma, if you look at the results 
of the elections in Mangaung, it was it was straight down the line, 75% to the Zuma slate and 25% to the Kalema Mutlante and the Reichstag slate. Um, that is still the way the National Executive Committee of the ANC is composed. And therefore, if any one of those guys, take, take Cyril Ramaphosa, for example. Cyril Ramaphosa is sitting there. Um, he came in two days before uh, the election in Mangaung, and he came out and said, I'm coming in with the Zuma, the Zuma slate. Is he going to raise his hand at an NEC meeting and say, Comrade President, mm. I think you're not doing the right thing. <laughs> Please, uh, will you now excuse us? The way Jacob Zuma could at that NEC meeting in 2008, September, when uh, uh, 60% of the NEC was essentially a Zuma slate ANC, NEC, and therefore they could say, oh, Comrade Mbeki, sorry, man, um, we don't think you're doing a good job. We're going to recall you. I don't think it's going to happen. So unless the rumors of President Zuma's health are, are in any way true, I don't see President Zuma going anywhere. Uh, in the next four and a half years. Um, mm. So uh, what's <laughs> what Chris is talking about, and, and that sort of <laughs> muddling along to 2019, I, I think I think that's that's our reality now. We just have to accept that, mm. in my view, that that's the way it's that's going to happen. happen. If you look at the pictures of President Zuma in China yesterday, he looks very healthy. I don't know what they do on holiday in Russia, and that's where he went when he was uh, a bit uh, sickly. Um, but he's looking hes looking back to his good old fine form. I don't mm. think he's, he's that ill. Or, it's green tea, uh, Justice. Green. Thank <laughs> you. I've <laughs> always wondered about <laughs> the benefits of green tea. With if, two drops of honey. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I mean, you, you're looking at the year, right? You're looking back yes. at 2014, and if you look at the, the only real challenges that have come to President Zuma, have come from outside structures. They're not from yeah. people on the NEC. I mean, Mavusa Simang has been very brave. Ben Churak. If you, yeah. you know, the veterans are speaking out. But the reality is they're veterans. They're not part of structures. Mm. And, and I think justice is right. That's challenge number one. If, if, you're, if, if you want some sort of regime change is where is it going to come from? And I keep thinking challenge number two is then who do you put in place? Yeah. And it's interesting. The noise around Nkosazana Zuma has started already. There have been a couple of articles that are critical of her abilities to run the AU committees. I mean, there was one comment in, in Business Day this week that she can't even run an organization with 700 members. How can she begin to, mm. to, to rule South Africa? I mean, we can debate that question. You well, know. you saw her comments on Ebola, right? They were none. That's why you didn't see yeah. any. So, I mean, she was completely signed as the, as the AU, which is just absolutely absurd. Uh, if you've just joined us, cliffcentral.com, it is Friday, quarter past nine. We hang out with uh, Chris Vick and Justice Malala. Justice, uh, arguably South Africa's best political analyst. Like uh, the Jews lay a plate for Elijah, so does Justice lay a seat in his studio empty, waiting for number one to fill it and take his line of questioning. Um, I thought Emmanuel TV was next door. I'm here to save you. <laughs> He's here to save us, hopefully, politically. I mean, I, I want to see the safety uh, certificate for this building. I'm <laughs> really not that confident. Right of course, it's been an election year. Uh, one of the one of the most interesting stories, if we look back, is the rise of the EFF. Um, Chris, maybe you start with you some thoughts on on what w- what you think. No, you, just, you, you, can, first, can I just you went first last time. Yeah, can I just interrupt? Point I'd like order. to know uh, <laughs> just just a point of exigency. <laughs> can I just ask, uh, Chris? 
it would be fascinating to hear what would you do with a, a PR disaster of the nature of the Zuma administration this year? <laughs> I don't think I it's mean, a PR I mean, disaster. I, I think I think, I think absolute it's a disaster. No, it's a political management disaster. You you could you, somebody I used to work with once said you can mix shit and vanilla, right? But it's still shit, right? And I and I think that's the difficulty is until there's political action, <laughs> yeah. until there's an accountability process, until there's political management, you can't spin this thing. You can't. And you shouldn't try. I yeah. think that I think that yeah. the, the answer for the leadership of the ANC is to think: What do we need to do politically to manage this situation? How do we deal with Nkandla? How do we deal with Parliament? How do we deal with the EFF? How do we deal with the Workers' Party? And once you've got something politically to do, you can then start to communicate it. But you can't mix uh, shit and vanilla. Sorry. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I mean, from what you're saying, and I, I agree with you, there isn't. Uh, it's just going to continue like this because there isn't any kind of. No one is confronting the fact that what's the elephant in the room? Yeah, and uh, but I, I think I think the the thing that worries me, having worked in government for seven years, is you've also got complete inertia. There are mm. no decisions being taken because the party's obsessed with these issues. How do we deal with Nkandla? How do we deal with Parliament? Et yeah. So as a result, there's no movement. There's no stepping up of service mm. delivery. There's no reprioritization of anything that's going on. So you're kind of rearranging the deck chairs while that elephant is, is stumbling around the room. That's the difficulty. But to go, to come to the EFF, I mean, I think what the EFF has done is in a sense, it's redefined the shape of that room and it's redefined the conversations that go on in that room. And if, if I think of my highlights of, of, 2014, and I'm probably going to lose all my government tenders as a result of this. <laughs> Is it, the, the 22nd of February, 2014, when the EFF launched its election manifesto, for me was a massive political game changer. We, we, I think a lot of us thought these are just kids running around in red overalls having fun, right? But when you read that manifesto, you look at that launch, you look at the consequences of that event. February, you launch a manifesto. In a May election, you get more than a million votes. I think that's a significant game changer. And I think what it's done is it's redefined perceptions of the ANC and the alliance. It's opened up space for the poor. It's opened up space for the unemployed. It's opened up space for the left in that I think it's given momentum to NUMSA. It's given momentum to the Workers' Party, all of our things. Mm. So I think it's a real game changer. And at the time, I don't know how seriously we took it, but I think over the next couple of years, we're going to see a kind of redefinition of the public agenda, what people focus on, what the key issues are. And it doesn't just impact on the growth or decline of, of the EFF. It impacts on everybody else. It's affected the DA. It's affected how the ANC speaks about particular issues. It's even affected the Freedom Front Plus. Suddenly they've sort of formed a coalition with people that they would never, ever wanted to work with. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's absolutely true. Thank you, I Justice. Do, <laughs> no, no, I absolutely agree with you. I do think, though, if you... One of the things that fascinate me is that the the kind of stances that the EFF has taken mm. um, have hogged the headlines, have been what all of us are talking about for the... And Julius Malema was absolutely on, on the money when he said people are now watching... Uh, Parliamentary broadcasts uh, when you know you well, it's better than generations, you know. <laughs> well, they anything is better than generations, man. Come on, but but one of the things for me is what impact is that having on policy? And I mean, Chris says there is no policy, there is no implementation of policy, which is sad. Um, but with with six point three five percent of the vote, it always fascinates me. Can you do anything with it? You know, the EFF talks about nationalisation, talks about expropriation of land without compensation. In any system where the ANC was a cohesive force, 
they would they would have no the EFF would have no traction whatsoever mm. Mm. in influencing policy. But because the ANC is not cohesive, you have a situation where with that six point one point one million voters, actually the EFF is is forcing a rethink of, of policy. Um and that that I think speaks to the ANC's lack of direction right now. Well, there's a real vacuum. Right? I mean, there's yeah. a vacuum that you can move into yeah. if you've got good political marketing, if you've yeah. got a message that resonates with a particular are sector you, of society. Are you trying to sell your services right no. now? I feel like <laughs> no, that's no, I'm, I'm fully booked. <laughs> <laughs> I do think Chris is right, though. I mean, if you look at the EFF and its marketing, everything is, it just clicks into place. Mm. The, the well, the DA is taking a, like, they're, they're, they're stressing out right now because the EFF is so on point with the, what they're saying that the DA is like, well, we need to get someone who, who can sound like the EFF. But, but it's not, the thing is, it's not just a rabble noise. It's not just no, noise. No, honest. I mean, the, the, the arguments that are being put forward around how mining companies pay tax, for example, mm. are very sophisticated, very well-developed, very... They're based on research. They're based on data. They're very, very real arguments that they're putting forward around how you can fundamentally change the fiscus, right? And and I think that's what's interesting is you're getting a low-level noise around issues of poverty, homelessness, etc. Mm. But you're also getting good interventions into some of the economic arguments. And I think I know we're looking at 2014, but I look at 2016 for the EFF. You've got local government elections, right? And it's actually much easier to organize. For, for a structure like the EFF in an informal settlement like Winterfeld yep. on local issues. So imagine if the EFF gets 20% in Swane, 20% in Joburg, 25% in the Kuruleli. Yeah. Then you're really starting to change the nature of the conversation. But I think to take it back to what we were talking about, the key issue then is how does the ANC respond to the rise of an organization that seems better equipped to articulate the views of the poor and the unemployed and better equipped to argue around issues like land, homelessness, etc. Mm. So it's going to be a very interesting <coughs> 18 months, I think, in terms of the trajectory that, that the ANC might develop, the trajectory the EFF has developed, and how the other political parties respond, and then how we as citizens respond. Yeah. Do, we get, do we get bored with Parliament becoming like a soccer match? Do we, do we get excited by it? Do we get more involved in our democracy? Or, or do we just think it becomes farcical? And I think that's also a critical issue issue throughout 2014 is the extent to which parliament has become a stage, different people have used it differently, and societies become more interested in what happens there. But how do we respond? Do we stay interested? Do we get involved in local structures and civic mm. organizations? Or do we just think, ah, oh, this thing is a joke? Mm -mm. <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's fascinating. We're speaking uh, to Chris Vick and uh, Justice Malala about 2014. What have been your views? Uh, give us some of your thoughts, uh, 0861 and hit us up on Twitter as well, at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y. We're posting a whole bunch of articles as well to what uh, Justice and Chris are speaking about. The manifesto has just gone up as well. So if you want to see the EFF manifesto. I think it's the seven pillars. Check it out uh, on online right now. Um, guys, we could spend the entire hour speaking about the ANC and the EFF. Uh, Let's let's talk a little bit about other things that have happened in in South Africa. Uh, obviously, the big one is the justice system, and it's been tested a few times throughout the year. Obviously, the big one is is Oscar Pistorius. Now, I know everyone is completely over Oscar, but if you if you're not over it just yet, let's just have a listen to to what the hubbub has been about this year and Oscar Pistorius. When he ran, he set the truck on fire. He wasn't just running to run; he was running to win. You are a model for sportsmen, as able and able-bodied sportsmen all over the world. Oscar Pistorius absolutely storming away. Oscar Pistorius, is he going to get? Is he going to? He's been caught, is he? 
Oscar Pistorius just tying up. Oh my goodness. The integrity of the evidence was not preserved because it was contaminated. I perceived it to be somebody coming out to attack me. That is what I believe. You killed a person, that's what you did, isn't it? I can't change the truth. You possibly think this is entertainment. It is not. Mr. Pistorius, you're not listening. I did not intend to kill Riva, my lady, or anybody else, for that matter. Do you think that the press and the media generally have been pushing the limits? Uh... South Africa is riveted with the Oscar Pistorius case. Let us get to the truth. But did you think at the time, Mr. Pistorius? My lady, that's the moment that everything changed. People are glued to this trial. This is the trial of the century. I think they're really very aware of what the rules are. The public has learned a lot. If he did, it's a homicide case. He's guilty of murder. Is it your defense that you fired at the perceived attacker? No, that's not mine. Then what is your defense? You fired at Riva. <laughs> I did not fire at Riva. <laughs> Chris is loving it. Eh? Chris is loving it. Eh? That's what we call amazing radio right there. Right. So, what, Oscar Pistorius. Yeah, you love it. Oscar Pistorius, obviously the headlines that have taken the world by storm. How do you think we've fared in terms of our justice system? Justice. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, for me, there are two things. Um, the, the best one, the best outcome for me about the whole thing, the whole Oscar Pistorius thing, is that when um, Judge uh, Matilda Masipa delivered her, her um, judgment and, um, and everyone went haywire saying, oh, she's this, she's this, she's yeah. terrible, how can she do this? She got everyone the started speaking Latin, huh? You, you know, everyone was a lawyer. I'm a lawyer too now. And, um, <laughs> and for me, the key thing was very few, some people did, but very few people said, oh, you know, he's rich and handsome and tall and all that. And is he so, handsome? <laughs> apparently he oh, okay. is. <laughs> <laughs> people say, look, I look like him. Each so. their own. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone except Chris Vick is no, running with, all over themselves. Look, when you've got snot running down your nose, it's very hard to say. <laughs> okay, 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 let's move on. It, for me, it was about the institution. Not, you know, I, I disagree and I'm not happy with whatever elements of of her of her judgment uh but do i think she took a bribe for example no do i think she applied herself yes and i think at that level where institutions should matter to the general populace i think south africans did very well they mm. think the justice system works mm. Um, of yeah, course, don't, don't, other, don't elements, a... other elements of it. So Oscar Pistorius goes to... <laughs> See, yeah, he's like really, really <laughs> like defending his thing. Yeah. Okay. But, but Oscar Pistorius goes to jail, for example, and you hear all these stories of preferential treatment or a long birthday party, cake being brought to him and so forth. Now, if I'm George Skumbuzo, Tim Kulu, and I'm incarcerated in the same jail, I don't get the same privileges. Mm. I don't get all that stuff. So... I think there are two things that, you know, do the institutions work in this country? In 2019, in 2024, will my kid enjoy the same uh, institutions and, 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 and the openness that I enjoy in South Africa today? If anything from the Oscar Pistorius trial, if I know that in 2024 my kid will have to face a judiciary that is independent, that's free, that is uh, free of political bias or, or, or influence by the rich, 
and 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 uh, spin doctors, then then it's it's good. So for me, that's the key thing. Did we come out looking good in terms of our judiciary? I think we we got fifty fifty. We did well with say Judge Masipa. We didn't do too well with the. Um, the correctional services system, and so forth and so forth. So it's it's a mixed bag. Chris, the justice factor, tell me what you thought. I, well, I was a bit bored by it, I must admit. I, 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 no, <laughs> Everyone's I mean, I, over it. I eh? think it was overcooked. Oh, I really, man. I really think it was overcooked. But, I, but I, I think that one of the things it highlighted for, for me was the inequality, the fact that if you're rich, you get better justice mm. than if you're poor, which justice is spoken about. I, I think one of the other main issues that got missed was, was gun culture. And macho culture. And, and I think that in a, if there's anything we can take out of that process is that we should be having these conversations about, does someone need six guns? Do they need to go around shooting uh, watermelons and stuff like that, number one? Number two, is it really good to take guns to restaurants and fire them out of the roof yeah. of your car? And I think that's the trajectory that I'm looking for, is, is that as a society, we should be having conversations about access to, to justice and, and fairness in terms of trials. We should be talking about macho culture. We should be talking about gun, gun culture because those are the things we really need to deal with. A trial deals with one individual. Um, it's, it's, it's the, it's the mindset in a sense. It's also about icons. I mean, if you look at how Pistorius, Mark Batchelor, those guys used to behave themselves, I mean, they're not role models for society. Mm. They're not role models. I mean, that's not the kind of thing you want your child to have faith in, right? You need different kinds of role models. And I think that, I don't want to draw too close a link to Senzo Mio. Senzo Mio made us all detectives in the same way that Oscar Pistorius made us all lawyers, right? <laughs> but I mean, with Senzo Mio, you also get the sense that there's, there's, because the police are obviously under pressure, from people like us to arrest people. They sometimes arrest the wrong people. Maybe they have, haven't done enough uh, investigative work, whatever, right? But it also raises questions around the behavior of icons. You know, I mean, I, and, and one shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but I mean, Senzo wasn't exactly, in terms of relationships, in terms of women, wasn't a particularly good role model for society. Mm. And we've got a lot of, of musicians, we've got a lot of sports stars, politicians, Particularly, who are not good role models, and and I think that's something that we also need to think about: is is who are the people that we can learn from in 2014? Who are the people who kind of set an example in terms of courage? Um, we have a lot who didn't: Ellen Shabalala, Pandit Lakula, a lot of other people. Right? We need to be pulling on the ones who who did well and looking at what we can learn from them and building some kind of trajectory into 2015. Well, and who, who do you think are role models in 2014? Well, we haven't. I need about another hour to think about it. But I mean, <laughs> And that's, that's the problem, wow. right? Is no one kind of pops up. No mm. one pops up. The, 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 I mean, I know shit floats to the top, but I mean, there must be a process whereby <laughs> the other stuff kind of floats to the top as I well. I should have said that Chris doesn't hold back in terms of his profanities, but. <laughs> you said, oh, yeah, what the okay, fuck you like? Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> We're hanging out on cliffs. No, but I have to say, Chris makes a very valid point and I agree with him. Um, where where are the heroes? For me, you know, I, I was depressed. I had a chat with um, my team at at uh, at that radio at that TV station. It's ENCA. Um, it's on on Monday ENCA. nights at half past nine. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you, thank I mean, you. Thank you. Uh, please be, this, uh, don't send me the bill. He's <laughs> opened the door. He's opened the door. We're going to speak about that as well. But yes, but, USA. But quickly, it, it's just you know when you think and you think no, I can't make Tulima Doncella the 
winner of the week again. You know, it's just, it's, it's the only sh- shiny, it's not the only one, no, I, by far not. But, you know, the one that just keeps on popping up, it's, it's wrong. We should have more and more of these kinds of people, and we don't have enough of those. All right, we're hanging out with, uh, with Chris Vick and Justice Malala talking about 2014. Uh, we've spoken about uh, Zuma, the ANC, EFF, as well as Oscar. Uh, after the break, we'll be speaking about the integrity of our media. I think you know oh, where this is going, no. Justice. <laughs> In the meantime, Chris Vick's Choice of 2014, Gusheshe by Kaspar. Hip artist, hip hop artist of the year 2014, according to you, South Africa, Casper with Gusheshe. What a cool, cool song. And you've got to listen to his album as well. It's really, really, absolutely rad. Absolutely rad. We hang out with Justice Malala and Chris Vick talking about 2014. 0861-555-189. You can hit us up on Twitter. Chris is complaining that he, no one's tweeting him about the, the, the sad things that I he's talking about. I wasn't complaining. I was observing. <laughs> but uh, on, on WeChat, Andy says, I believe Julius is getting some advice from Bob and Watch the Space EFF will be stronger in the next five Bob years. Rule when you read that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is sick and tired of the Zoom administration to justice what will happen to the ceo of sabc so integrity in the media let's talk sabc and then uh, I, I won't let you uh, talk point about of order, this, the sabc doesn't have a ceo it's got an acting ceo okay acting ceo yeah. what is going to happen here i mean your thoughts well i think i think the question is about the chairperson of the board of the sabc uh ellen zandile shabalala who um this is it's a fantastic South African case. This so I go to Chris and say, Chris, um, you said in your application when you were becoming a board member of the SABC, you said that you have these two qualifications. Um, just show me the certificates. And and as some people have said on Twitter, no, just show me the pictures of you with the. <laughs> <laughs> In your, gown. in your gown, <laughs> you receive these things again on campus, uh, yeah, <laughs> on campus. Um, and and the the latest is that she's saying no. Now um, the records have been doctored um, at UNISA. For me, it's it's what's going to happen. And uh, what should happen is that I should be so ashamed to meet Tris Vic, who I've known for whatever twenty something years. And and re- I should be ashamed for him to even look at me to the extent that I would say, thank you, comrades, for giving me the chance. Um, you know what? I'll let you down. Now, I just want to put it out there. I, and very few people care whether Chris Vick has a PhD or Andrew has an MA or whatever. Or even metric. Or, or even metric. Mm. People don't care. Thank you so it's much. It's when you that. lie. It's when you lie about it. You say, I have these things, therefore I am the big kahuna at whatever. The, you know, this has nothing to do with the SABC. It's got something to do with all of us as a people. Mm. She shouldn't have lied about it in the first place. And to see the... 
the shocking goings on as she gets lawyers, as she refuses to be accountable. But it, it is that accountability deficit, Justice. I mean, I, I think that's been a becoming a hallmark of our politics. If you look at Panzit Lakula yeah. and the process that she went through, I mean, it's obvious. You look at Dina Pule, it's obvious. Right, yeah. Right? And, and, and there's just this lack of accountability. It's like, in, 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 in some cases, just fall on your sword and get out. You'll get an ambassador posting to Kuala Lumpur or you'll get a pension. <laughs> just, just take it and go. I mean, why drag yeah. it on and yeah. on and on? And that's, that's what worries me. Cause I, I think again, it, 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 it erodes people's faith in politics. It erodes people's faith in democracy. It erodes people's faith in leadership. And in the case of the SABC, it, ero- it erodes people's faith in the public broadcaster. And a weak public broadcaster, we might think it's good for all of us, right? But it's not mm-hmm. because millions and millions of people rely yep. on, on the SABC as their sole source of information. And what you're getting is a knock-on effect. You're getting there's all the, the, the discontent within the management. It's cascading down to the radio and TV stations. I mean, I saw figures the other day about how many times SABC TV channels just go off air. There's dead air because there's no engineer. There's no input editor. The guy's either gone for a smoke or he's on leave and they didn't document it properly. That's the problem, right? It's, 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 and it's just because of that yeah. individual's lack of accountability and a recognition of what see, the, a very sexy concept in, in government at the moment is consequence management. Management, right? So officials, DGs, talk about consequence management. You fuck up, you're going to get fired, right? That, that's a very strong ethos. Whether it happens, we, we can debate. But it's not happening with these kind of governance positions or political positions where people are, are made to sit down and look at the consequence of what they are doing to an institution, to democracy, to people, to themselves, as Justice says. I mean, how do you walk around Rosebank? With a sense of pride. How, how do you walk into Wombles, for example, with a sense of pride? Jeez, Everyone's like, like, and then dropping Wombles here. On, on no, I, I, I can't walk Justin's into Wombles. four out of five. <laughs> so, I mean, the one thing is accountability. Integrity is obviously a huge uh, issue as well in the media at the moment. And we're not just looking at state-owned media. We're looking at privatized media as well. I mean, and Justice, maybe you'll keep quiet on this to keep your job. But, but Chris, you, you spoke a lot about that regarding ETV and oh, the I, integrity. I wrote it's a column. It's on dailymaverick.co.za. And we're, we're going to post it right now. So check it go. out. Um, I'll lose another four friends. Thank you. <laughs> You're really battling with places to work in this show. Eh? But, um, but tell us what your Jamaica, thoughts are. Jamaica has a very high demand. <laughs> but tell us what your thoughts are regarding ETV and the integrity. Have they lost their integrity? I don't think so, no. I, think, I don't think they've managed it as well as they could. But I think, the request, I think they're trying to bury it. I, have, I think they're hoping people will forget about it and it'll go away. Which I think is a problem, I, I, because I think ETV's integrity is pretty much everything. And if it had been dealt with differently, I think they could have come out of it looking positive. But for me, it's it's not about picking on ETV. I think across the profession, across the journalistic profession, there, there's an there's a the ethic, the moral compass has kind of got a bit bent, you know. And I, and, I, and I think it's it's not exclusive to journalism. It's symptomatic of our society. If traffic cops take bribes and and school principals expect uh, learners to sleep with them to pass them a trick, you're bound to have similar problems in journalism too. We all come from the same stock. We live in the same society. What, what worries me is the lack of conversation around it. And, and I, every time I write about it, as I say, I get defriended and I get insulted. I think there's got to be much more of a conversation around, so what does it mean? What does it mean as a viewer or as a listener? 
if government possibly paid for a documentary or paid for a particular broadcast. But you also can't be naive about it. I mean, when I worked in my last stint in government, you can go to the SABC, you can approach Morning Live, and you can get them to do a live broadcast of your event. You used to pay them 50 grand, it's now 250 grand, right? The problem is they don't tell viewers this thing is paid for. So you think somehow the fact that some little random casino has been opened in a village in the Eastern Cape is newsworthy. It's not newsworthy. It's been paid to be newsworthy. So those are the conversations it's, it's that new, need to be It's heard. new age worthy. Is that a term? It's not just new age. That's the thing. I, Justice? I, 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 I think the other element to that story is, is the element of, of money. It's, it's mm. the element that if you look at our media at the moment, um, Many of us um, have been sitting here, you know, we have debates and fights with Chris and other people about, you know, journalists and editorial independence and so forth. But it's ownership of, you know, Cliff Central, of, of, of media outlets is now the center stage. If you think about what's happened at, um, at independent newspapers, you think about... Um, ANN7 and the New Age, you think about the incidents at uh, ENCA, all of them go to the, to the boardroom where you have an executive director who believes that they can call up an editor uh, or the boss of the station and say, tell your editor that um, the opening of a dam is uh, is the lead story now mm. i don't know if anyone out there wants to really be bored they must watch uh, the opening of a dam <laughs> but imagine if it's beautifully filmed by someone from the food channel or you know the water in slow motion <laughs> i mean it, you could make it work yeah. <laughs> I, it's still not my lead but thank you for your suggestion <laughs> anyway, suddenly, the, <laughs> suddenly justice fact is all about dams <laughs> but you know the, the the serious point here is that we need some way in which in which what Chris talks about the ethical compass in those newsrooms can be applied without um without people who do make the money, who, who work with the money in these organizations, not compromising that. And I, mm. think, I think we forgot that power lies with the money and the money starts to dictate to the journalists what to cover, what not to cover, and so forth. So I, there is a conversation to be had about how do we fashion a media where, where the money is not in control of the of the editorial that the way you have a framework that says it's okay um chris and i open a newspaper or a radio station or a tv station but how do we stop chris's clients at the moment um from telling him that no now that you own that thing tell justice on the or tell andrew in in the studio right now that he must change his tone and so forth and so well, forth. Well, I mean, Chris is already telling me what music to write. So, I mean, it's just, it's the next step from there. <laughs> I, I asked. I didn't <laughs> tell. He asked so, nicely. So, but he might pull some advertising. <laughs> <laughs> There's none to pull. <laughs> talking about, um, talking about some African stories here. Ebola has obviously been on the agenda. Um, have we dealt with, with Ebola, uh, Correctly from a media perspective, from a continental perspective, I mean Indonesia basically said uh, no one from Africa can now actually enter 
uh, Indonesia, which I find fascinating. Um, they put an entire embargo on a continent because they're so absolutely freaked out. I would l- look at Morocco. I mean, they put an, an, an embargo on an entire continent of which they are part. You know, I mean, don't come here and play soccer because we worry. I mean, I, I, but I think it shows how jingoistic we are as, as a global society. I mean, you look at the way the U.S. responds. You look at Europe. I mean, it's the same with immigrants coming from, from Africa to Europe. It's exactly the same kind of conversation. We're becoming, or we are, intolerant of issues. And, and because there's very little education. I mean, I, I watched some of the U.S. news coverage, and then I watched The Daily Show with Jon Stewart to get some real perspective. <laughs> there is, I mean, you would think it was the end of the world. Yeah. It's apocalypse now. There's one person in one hospital in one city in the U.S. It's like the world's going to end. Everyone's walking around on those, those kind of toxic waste suits. <laughs> and, I think, and I think that's the difficulty. There's very little time spent on edu- education and information. There's a lot of time spent on hysteria. I don't think it applies to the South African media. I think, I think the South African media generally have handled it well. A couple of politicians have been silly, like the DA got hyper excited about someone who had flu, right? Opportunism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I think generally it's been dealt with well uh, in South Africa. But I think that's because we've had experience around dealing with issues like HIV AIDS, where there's a sensitivity to health. We don't get hysterical about mm. it. Well, the center of communicable diseases, it's a big word, but they've been really well prepared uh, in terms of handling the Ebola crisis if it came to South Africa. No, I, I have to say I was very proud. I, I flew back into South Africa on Wednesday and uh, I arrived at Oertambo and there's these very smart young people uh, from the Department of Health. It, you've already been given a form to fill in on your, on, on your flight in and you hand over these things and they're already collating the information. It just looks, it looks like we know what we're doing. Mm. And I, I think, you know, the key thing about, about Ebola is, is, is containment. It's knowing who got in touch with who and to what extent they got in, 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 in touch with each other. If you look at the success in Nigeria, it was contact tracing. So it's, okay, justice came and sat with Chris and, and Andrew and, and therefore we need to make sure that those two um, we know what they're doing and so forth and so forth. But the Nigerians, after one guy died, spoke to 18,900 18, people and face-to-face interviews and said, look, th- you got in touch with Mr. Sawyer, I think his name was, um, and this is how we're going to proceed. If you show any of these symptoms, get in touch, da-da-da-da-da-da. That's how Nigeria managed to go from um, nine cases to zero in a few months, mm. and it's Ebola-free. But so I, I saw a piece about an app that was developed that, 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 where you actually physically do that. You track where people have yeah. gone. So you follow migration patterns. You look at people coming from towns into cities exactly, and and I think that's the interesting thing about a process like this is there's, there's a positive spin-off, right? So yeah, next yeah. time around, there is the technology. It's brought technology to areas that never had it. Yeah. It's got cell phone networks into areas that never had it before. No, no, it's amazing. Uh, if it, Senegal used that app, I think, and, uh, and parts of Guinea. Part of the reason, you know, the, the, this whole thing started in Guinea, this latest outbreak. But the, the going back and actually tracking it, has been an incredible scientific and technological mm. um, process. And I think it's, it's the sort of thing that we could, all of us, learn from. Of course, uh, the year isn't, is, isn't only about politics and, and what's going on here. But there's sport as well. I, I don't know how sport-orientated both of you are. Uh, just look, look at us. Do we look sport-oriented? <laughs> you are the fit of health right there, Chris. But obviously, it, it was a World Cup soccer year. Um, we saw the... The Brazilian Germany disaster. Who, who um, won, by the way? I it was Spain. 
No, Germany. <laughs> you see, that's the thing. No, one South, Afri- one South Africa is out, obviously. My, my <laughs> thing. <laughs> Not that we were ever in. Okay. <laughs> For me, it wasn't South Africa in, out, and so forth. It was that guy biting someone. Yeah. In <laughs> Luis Suarez. Yeah. Luis Suarez. Yeah. That guy's I mean, got issues. Eh? He's a racist. He's a, he's a carnival. <laughs> he's everything. He's like, this guy, what's wrong with you? Uh, that was my moment. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, the Nigerians. Uh, you know, I I, th- I think I'm Nigerian, and so I when the Nigerians <laughs> were kicked out, that was it for me. Yeah, um, it's it's fascinating when people ended. It definitely it did it definitely ended for a lot of people after the Brazilian whitewash um, that happened. Which I mean, people were stunned. Thirty five million tweets in in just over four hours on uh, that Brazilian German game. It broke every Twitter record out there, but absolutely fascinating to see how a team just dissolved. Kim Kardashian wasn't playing. You had a real problem. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that brings us to some interesting thoughts. I mean, this year has really been about celebrity nudity as well, hasn't it? I mean, I don't, I don't follow those see, kind of. I don't either. But every know. every celebrity under the, you know under the sun suddenly their their accounts have been hijacked and suddenly they're naked photos and and I think they've just used a good king of spin to just post naked photos of themselves. Well, I mean, if you don't want it to to be out there, why are you why are you posting? Why are you putting all these things out there um, when you know that the security is not amazing and so forth? I'm not excusing people who go and hack into these accounts and then you know put their stuff out there. But I'm I'm fascinated by well, I guess you know to be a to be a big movie star, you have to be a, a bit of an egotist of some sort, but. I, I, I don't understand why you take pictures of yourself naked and put them out on the cloud. Do you see how Chris has been quiet now because he knows he's a bit guilty? Of no, I was going to say, every, every good movie star has a sex tape to kickstart their career. But, uh, but I'm, I'm interested in the South African uh, example. Well, you know, I mean, the South African example of, I mean, I don't know if you remember, Sandy Lezungu. Yes. Black Business yes, Council, yes, 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 economic yes. advisor to the president, mm. posts a picture of a certain part of his body. Right? No, no, no. Um, someone else posted that picture. Okay, someone else posted a picture yes. which he'd sent her. Oh, I see. Or did he... T- well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know who took it. I don't know who took it. He right? sent it to her. That's exactly okay. right. Okay, that, that... It went crazy on social media. I saw yeah. one newspaper article about it, right? Yes. So I think it's interesting how we... Uh, how the media fraternity and society in general deals with that kind of thing because it could have been as sensational as any of the ones you're talking about. A senior, senior black business leader... Mm. In a major act of indiscretion, and it just goes away. It's uh, I think. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 you know, I haven't thought of that. I haven't thought of that particular incident in that way. And I, uh, I have to say, you know, it went crazy on Twitter. And this was exactly during the the World Cup. Um, and everyone was saying, have you heard about this thing? Have you seen this thing? And boom, 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 to everyone talking about it. But you're right. I think it was only the city president mm. that story. Mm. And, uh, and no one else. No one. And, and I, I, I'm thinking here about the cross-pollination between the printed press and the, and, 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 and the Internet and the web and social yeah. media. And whether actually, I don't know. Do we judge people because they, it's in print? People have been making all sorts of allegations about the chief of the SABC. Did the story finally have legs? Uh, because 
the Sunday Sun. Oh, you mean the allegation that um, she's having an, a relationship with, with, with B? Yeah, I can't say it on air, but yeah. But interesting. Oh, I mean, oh, uh, well, it's been in the newspapers. The, the Sunday Sun alleged. No, I tweeted it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> alleged that she's having an affair with the, with president, the president of the republic. Yeah. Um, and this was the same allegation about the head of SAA, um, uh, which was yeah, published so in the story, Mail and yeah. Guardian. So you know, you have two uh, bosses of the of a of a state owned well a one state owned enterprise and, and the public broadcaster linked to the president um by two newspapers mm. um and that's when the conversation really sort of started getting some air whereas while it was you know while it was just the rumor mill on do on you, Twitter. Do you think if we did that Ebola human tracing with the president, we'd be <laughs> we'd be shocked? <laughs> at least he's at least he's at least he's visiting all the state-owned enterprises, which is important, I think. But I mean, one of the big things that uh, just very quickly, two last stories: um, the war in the Middle East. I don't know if any of you want to comment on the Gaza-Israel, you know, war that's been going on. Chris, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you, that know my, you know my views. I mean, I, 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 you asked me the last time, the first time and the last time I was here about whether I would work for the Israeli defense. The only defense. time you'll ever. <laughs> <laughs> You're becoming like me. <laughs> would I work for the Israeli defense force? And I said definitely not. I mean, my, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-Palestinian. I believe in the, in the struggle that the Palestinian people are are fighting. And I want to look at a local angle, which is I, th- I think BDS, Boycott, yes. Disinvest, Sanctions, has really emerged as a very successful mobilizing force. I mean, you can debate the tactics, but I mean, they've really got themselves on the agenda. They've got South Africans to talk about Israel and Palestine. The notion that Israel is an apartheid state in terms of how, how it treats Palestinians, I think it's been a hugely successful campaign. I think it's given us a new perspective on what's going on in the Middle East, and it's got a whole range of people talking about it. I also don't think it's polarized society quite as much as it could. I mean, I saw I saw one sort of pro-Israeli rally where BDS people were running interference along the side. But other than that, there's been no physical interaction. There have been peaceful marches organized by pro-Israeli and pro-Palestine groups. And I think that's that's a good story for South mm-hmm. Africa. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking more. We're not fighting more. We, you know, we're kind of engaging. Woolworths, in my view, has not handled it nearly as well as they could. I, I don't think taking... Protesters to court is a way to deal with it, but we, we can kind of debate strategy and tactics. But I think for Woolworth shoppers too, who I'm sure form a large base of your of your listenership, they are, they are thinking <laughs> as consumers about where does the stuff come from. Well, I hope they do. Even if there's a frog, is the frog from Peru? Is it from uh, Latvia? Is it a South African frog in my salad? You know, those conversations are are important. Mm. Yeah, my ten year old daughter thinks a lot about it and doesn't, you know, take frogs. No, no, no. About about where product is coming oh. from. Where do these nalchis come? Um, but but I think for me the key thing about the BDS about BDS and and a lot of what we're doing and I'm I'm thinking here about Chester Missing and Steve Hoffmeyer yes. is that we're now realizing that money and power are so closely intertwined. Mm. In South Africa, we'll say. Oh, you know, Justice Malala is racist, da-da-da. We don't stop and say, why are all these people continuing to support his racist utterances? And I am absolutely 
absolutely delighted that Chester Missing started saying, you cannot say, oh, he's racist, but I'm going to support the, the concert where he appears and, and utters all these racist I'm things. Amanda Justice, Amanda. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, I agree with you completely. No, absolutely. And, mm. and I think BDS was about that. It's about holding money accountable and power, power should, should be held accountable. And I, I, I think, this is good. You know, you can't just say, oh, I'm Woolworths and I have a lot mm. of money and therefore I'll get away with it. Guys, we're going to have to leave it there, unfortunately. The 2014 review as uh, done by Justice Malala and Chris Vick. Thank you to both of you for coming in. It has been an absolutely fascinating conversation. I still think your intro was better than the rest of the show. But, uh, <laughs> it's true. More coherent. Honest, it all died after that. But I mean, I feel like a bit of a fly in the so wall. Thank the you, guys. <laughs> Don't try outdo your guests. I hear you. I hear you. I'm sorry, guys. But thank you so much. If you do want to hear the podcast, just go on to www.cliffcentral.com Hear these guys Chris Vic 3 is his name on Twitter And Justice Malala And that's M-A-L-A-L-A Not M-A-L-A-L-A-L-A As some people think about it um, But yes, check Ooh. them out on Twitter Ooh, Who thinks he's Malala? Oh, no, there's, there's so many people, so many people Malala. Justice Song for 2014 uh, In support and memory of Nelson Mandela Have yourself a great week And an incredible year Ciao, ciao.